it's been over a month and a half since i set out from mumbai on a journey that has left me in awe of my host's kindness and in despairing sympathy with the grueling lives they lead but while my journey is about to end theirs is a lonely caravan that never halts come rain or shine goods need to be delivered india must go on This is Jeremy Bassetti and you're listening to Travel Writing World, a podcast featuring interviews with travel writers about their work and about the business and craft of travel writing. You can find the episode show notes, free travel writing resources, and much more at travelwritingworld.com. Truckers are the lifeblood of the Indian economy. Yet their lives are marginalized and misunderstood. Joining us from Mumbai, India, is Rajat Ubaikar to talk about his book Truck de India, a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of truckers as he hitchhiked with them across the continent. So now, here is Rajat Ubaikar. Rajat, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So your book Truck de India was published in October 2019 by Simon Schuster India. Um it's a really great ride uh, the book um uh, in in which you kind of hitchhike on commercial trucks throughout India um and the, in the story you've been like dumped on the side of the road, you've encountered drug use, you've paid bribes, you nearly died on an overloaded truck wreck. Um, someone asked you if you had yeah. porn. It's a lot going on. It's exciting. Uh, could, tell us about your adventure uh, and why did you want to hitch, hitchhike across India in uh, commercial trucks? So uh, the idea... Yes, was with me uh, right since I was a child. Uh, I mean, uh, they are a unique spectacle. Trucks in India, uh, you cannot miss them when you're traveling on highways. And uh, the kind of sayings they have painted on their backs, the colorfulness, everything had fascinated me since the longest time. But the idea sort of crystallized when uh, I was in college, and uh, I was toying with the idea of becoming a journalist. Uh, I studied engineering. but i wanted to switch to journalism and uh, that's when uh, this idea really crystallized in my mind and i wanted to uh, explore what the lives of uh, truckers are like uh, this was uh, also driven from the fact that uh, not much had been written about their lives in spite of the sort of crucial role they play in the economy something that we are actually discovering now with the coronavirus uh, uh, pandemic how the supply chains in india have completely broken down because trucks no longer are working as they would mm. so uh, this idea had been there with me and uh, i thought it was a unique way of looking at india and uh, discovering it through their eyes so that's what motivated me to do this mm. and so uh, you hitchhiked across india where exactly did uh, the journey take you So I started off from Mumbai, which is uh, where I'm based, mm-hmm. and uh, from there I didn't have a destination in mind as such. In the sense, I didn't have a route map planned in my head. 
because uh, in my mind that would take away all the fun and adventure <laughs> that uh, was implicit in the trip so my general idea was to just keep on heading north and uh, finally reach kashmir which is the northernmost uh, state of india so uh, that was a general idea and my journey took me uh, through the states of gujarat rajasthan small cities in between punjab haryana and finally i reached srinagar uh, in my second leg i explored india's northeast which is also a slightly marginalized sort of region in the indian mainstream narrative because it is uh, a frontier land so to speak and the culture there is also quite different from uh, the rest of india in what, so in that what particular ways? leg of the journey also uh, firstly ethnically uh, the people there uh, belong to uh, various tribes mm-hmm. and they are not part of the caste system so to speak so they lie outside the pale of uh, hindu society many of the provinces there are christian majorities 95% christian majorities and so on so uh, both in terms of religion in terms of ethnicity in terms of language the language they speak is uh, is belongs to a completely different family altogether so you have the austroasiatic language group you have the tibeto burman language group which is very different from the indo european languages that the rest of india speaks so in all these respects it's very different and uh, uh hitchhiking in trucks there was uh, also quite uh, a revelation and in the third leg of my journey i finally explored south india uh, where uh, dravidian speakers are the majority so uh, this journey took me to the states of uh, karnataka andhra pradesh uh, apart from that kerala tamil nadu these are all the southern states and so that completes the sort of route that i took uh, in the book Mm. Yeah, the the language diversity is one of the things that really stood out to me and of course I kind of understood that before I read this book but I didn't realize how how significant uh the cultural and language diversity is in in India. I've never been um so this is kind of an eye opener for me this book. Um before we jump into those issues this is like practically um how did you manage to hitchhike? hitchhike? Did you just like stick you know your thumb out on the side of the road did you hang around trucks truck stops gas stations and and restaurants i think those dabas is 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 that right yeah so uh, the strategy i was completely naive when i set out i had no idea i i just had the one ride from bombay and after that i had no idea how i was going to go about it hiking exactly mm. so uh, the strategy is very depending on uh what stage i had reached in my journey so initially i used to hang around in these uh, places called transport nagars where all the transporters all the trucks assemble and from where the goods are dispatched so i used to hang around these areas try to talk to the laborers to the truck drivers and uh, figure out my next ride uh, that also proved to be a very challenging task because often the load that would be Uh, loaded onto the truck there would be delays in that i wouldn't be able to, wouldn't find any ride mm-hmm. then i decided to switch tactics and go to a petrol pump or to dabas just find some stationary truck drivers who would uh, take me on uh, in other places i have also done the classic hitchhiking thing of standing at the <laughs> by the roadside and you know thumbing down rides so uh, it 
varied from point to point in the journey. Were you ever concerned about getting into a stranger's truck, driving off with them into the middle of nowhere, and in some in some cases sleeping next to them in the cabin? Were you were you ever did you ever feel threatened or suspicious? Uh, I didn't feel threatened ever uh, because uh, uh, what one needs to realize is. Like that is his workspace, so to speak. And mm. for in his mind, we are probably the larger threat to him yeah. than him being the threat to us. So uh, taking on a hitchhiker is uh, also an act of trust, is a display of trust on the trucker's side. And uh, it's uh, unlikely that uh, there would, and I, they did not ever make me feel unsafe. Uh, in one instance, when the first question the truck driver asked me was whether I had some porn, yeah, at that <laughs> point I was slightly apprehensive about where the direction this journey was taking. Uh, but apart from that one small instance, I uh, never did I feel uh, uncomfortable or unsafe mm-hmm. in the in the cabin of the truck. Yeah, and, and you know there are a couple of anecdotes from the book. Um, you know, I guess major characters in your book. Uh, where some of the truck truckers uh, were in- incredibly hospitable, um, like the brothers Jora and Jagdev, and you know other people yeah. that are went out of their way to make you feel um, comfortable and kind of included in, in as, as as one of them, right? So, it, in yeah. my in my opinion, the characters are a strong point in in the book. Uh, you know, they they seem alive, they seem real, they seem living and friendly and nothing like you would expect a trucker to be in some cases um stereotypically and i know that's bad but yeah did this come off as a shock to you um, the hospitable nature of the truckers the friendliness um at one level yes it was surprising i found myself wondering what was the source what was the motivation behind this uh, hospitality uh and on another level it was uh, sort of typical of India, you know, this uh, sort of display of hospitality towards guests, even towards guests who may be complete strangers, is uh, something that's quite ingrained in the in India's culture, especially when the guests happen to be someone who are more privileged than you. Mm. In that sense, I have, this is a very uh, typical uh, facet of uh, culture in India. So, at that level, it was not completely surprising. But even though you have these sort of notions about India, when you encounter them repeatedly and uh, unfailingly, uh, it does come across as very surprising and remarkable that in spite of uh, the relatively less privileged uh, nature of their own lifestyle, they are willing to go out of the way to uh, make strangers feel included and part of their lives so mm-hmm. yeah it was quite the experience and i hope that has come across in the book yeah it did um, i'm glad you mentioned uh, the privilege thing uh, because at one point in the book you'd mentioned that you were worried about your own privilege preventing you um, from connecting with some of the the, the truckers um, and you know my kind of ignorance of indian uh, culture um, had me surprised in certain points of the book when I read that some of the truckers were of a different, not class, but caste, like some of the truckers that you met were, uh, I guess, part of the Brahmin class. And so I was wondering if you could yeah. unpack 
your privilege concerns, firstly, and, and secondly, um, perhaps unpack some of the the observations on on caste and trucking that that you found. So, uh, as far as uh, privilege is concerned, this whole issue, uh, truck drivers are probably one of the most marginalized communities in India. Uh, they are typically stereotyped as drunkards, as someone who go to prostitutes, mm-hmm. someone who drive rashly, who kill people, who rape people, even to that extent. So they do not enjoy a favorable reputation in uh, much of the much of India and India's perception of them. So uh, yes, uh, it was unusual for someone to ingrain them. Uh, themselves into their world so I was wary of course considering these uh, uh, stereotypes I, when I was setting out I was definitely wary but uh, I found out that what happens is that you your sincerity and your uh, good intentions as long as they are clear uh, most of the people in India are quite open about their lives so it should not as long as you are sincere enough and you want to uh, document their lives or in a way that maybe improves their lives in some way someday uh, they are quite open so Mm. i found that the gap between the privilege uh, between my own privilege and between theirs uh, reducing with every journey i took because when i explained my motivations behind traveling with them uh, when I started asking them questions, they realized probably that, uh, I mean, I mean well, you know, I don't, I'm not there to exploit them or to, uh, you know, fetishize their lives in any way. So uh, I think uh, that was the whole, uh, my my take on the privilege issue. And as far as the caste and class issues goes, I found that, yeah, majority of the truckers belong to a wide array of castes. I mean, uh, there were Muslims, there were Christians, there were some upper castes, there were quite a bit of uh, Dalits or the untouchables uh, in the trucking world that I found. Uh, so there was a quite a wide variety of uh, castes that the truckers themselves belonged to. And the interesting thing that I found was the truckers themselves considered the whole trucking community as sort of separate caste by itself hmm. irrespective of the identity of the individual truckers so they call themselves the Sethis Vijat as they call it in Hindi or the 37th caste which is uh, which implies a community which is outside the pale of respectable society so there was this self-identification as an oppressed as a marginalized community among the truckers hmm. that's so, interesting yeah. uh, yeah, so that was uh, quite surprising for me because this level of self-awareness, uh, which they had internalized, uh, was uh, quite remarkable. Yeah, it's just, I, I could, I, I don't know, like I get this idea that maybe some some truckers would be suspicious of this, you know, middle class, educated city boy asking questions with a notebook, yeah. you know, being nosy. Um, and that wasn't the case. No, actually, the thing is that Nobody had ever asked them this. So it was uh, quite a sight for them to to see someone willing to get live the life they are living and asking them questions about 
what problems they have what problems they face and it was like all their pent up feelings and thoughts they found a release and uh, mm. uh, that's the impression i got because kind of grievances they trusted me with and the honesty with which they spoke about their lives felt like they had been waiting for someone to ask them these questions for a long time mm. yeah that's interesting and i think you're you're kind of playing on your strengths here being a journalist right yeah i i want to um move ahead a little bit uh, there's a scene in the book where you visit maybe a few scenes where you visit these uh truck factories i guess uh, some of these uh trucks um, as you mentioned earlier are beautifully decorated and you've mentioned yeah. they're psychedelic in a way with the colorful you know designs um but these aren't uh trucks or vehicles you can just go to a dealership and pick off a lot right they're custom made bespoke um and surprisingly some of them are made out of wood as you mentioned a very strong durable yeah. uh wood um and so you go to these factories and you you visit these people and you talk to the, the different people in, in the various stages of uh manufacturing of of these trucks was that a revelation for you um the ways in which trucks are manufactured or is this something that's kind of commonly known in in indian society no it's definitely not commonly known because uh, one often assumes like i had assumed for the longest time that that's how trucks are i mean nobody really thinks right in this age of consumerism uh, you never really wonder okay hey how was this thing made or you know what what phase what stages has this particular object gone through to become this final ready thing that we see so uh, often you uh, do not wonder about these things so when i finally found out it was yes it was quite a revelation because i had never thought that the entire truck was pretty much hand made like was made by the mm-hmm. labor of some 15 to 20 uh, workers specialized artisans who uh, worked together in this sort of loose assembly line and finally brought out this truck into the world so it was quite a revelation and when i visited it uh, yes i mean took a while for me to figure out the the range of things that were being done in the workshop and uh, yeah speaking to the workers figuring out the history of this particular uh, art form i mean it's not been documented properly unfortunately so there was nothing concrete i could get to but uh, just trying to understand why why are the trucks in india and parts of the subcontinent so colorful and not elsewhere i mean otherwise elsewhere in the world they are pretty bland right i mean mm-hmm. they there is no sort of customization or personalization of trucks like we see in india so uh, the whole experience was uh, very interesting and quite a revelation yeah in the united states the truckers may customize their their trucks with you know led lights or special kind of chrome accents here and there but um it doesn't um seem to be as elaborate or decorated as as they are in India which reminds me um the they're not trucks but they're buses some south american central american countries like el salvador for example um the mm-hmm. the buses are kind of explosions of color immensely decorated um often uh blaring loud wonderful music and i just wanted to ask the music question because music is brought up in your book throughout the entire um 
the entire yeah. book. <laughs> I, I wanted to listen to some of these songs. You don't happen to have like a Spotify playlist anywhere, or I mean, you know, that is the uh, best part about these sort of songs because you will never find them. They're not made by music studios, and they do not belong to the sort of ecosystem of organized music. Mm. In that sense, you know, they're made by these uh, small producers in these small towns enjoying a very rooted and local audience. So uh, it's very difficult to find these songs on the internet also. <laughs> I myself have tried to find them later, you know, trying to figure out, okay, I've written down the names of the songs and try to search them on YouTube. You don't, you can't find them. You have to belong to that particular milieu and that setting and that world to uh, really enjoy them in that sense, you know. And so the music, because I discovered so much good music on the way, I had to include that in the book. Yeah. And a lot of uh, Bollywood songs and a lot of Western songs too, you mentioned. Um, yeah, some the, of them, yes, the younger truckers were uh, definitely, some of them were quite Westernized in their tastes. Mm-hmm. And, and their WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, WhatsApp, of course, is now a part of uh, life in India, like, <laughs> huge part of life in India. So you wrote in the book, uh, travel is as much about unlearning as it is about learning. Um, so what, I guess, what did you have to unlearn? Uh, you've spoken quite a bit about what you learned, but what did you have to kind of undo in your mind? Uh, so, you know, as someone who belongs to middle class India, there is this sort of conceit and arrogance that one learns through the course of one's life. You know, that the rest of the India, the one who... Uh, work in the informal or unskilled sector they don't know much like we are the skilled workforce this sort of arrogance takes root in one's mind quite unconsciously and uh, and this in combination with uh, the effects of the caste system which uh, very at a subconscious level it teaches you to uh, not appreciate manual labor as much mm. so all these things are there in the back of one's mind, you know, when grows up in, when one grows up in upper caste, middle class India. So the first thing that I had to unlearn during the course of this journey was, I don't know anything. I am a, quite a useless person because uh, when I was in the truck, I, I found like, I, I mean, I was there like a totally useless chap sitting there and asking them questions, whereas these guys knew so much. They had learned so much during the like, when the truck stopped for some reason. They knew how to get it going. They knew how to change tires. They knew how to negotiate with policemen. They knew so many things. They were like men of the world in that sense, you know. Whereas I was this person who was cocooned in my own little privileged bubble. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing I had to unlearn, and I learned to appreciate how skilled so-called unskilled India is, and how much talent there is, you know, wasted potential, one could say. I could see that in so many of the people I met. They were so ob- such obviously bright people, you know. You knew that they were sharp and they were, and given the chance, they could have become something maybe I could never have become. Mm-hmm. You know, and you could see this so much potential in India is wasted because of the lack of opportunities, because of the circumstances that people are born in. So these are all the things that, I learned and unlearned at the same time, you know, and this came from an exposure to the to a world which one usually doesn't get to see. Mm. Apart from that, I guess uh, 
many of the stereotypes about India that you know Sikhs or Sardars as uh, they are called often. So there's the stereotype they never beg. Well, you discover that if you go to Punjab, where the majority of the Sikhs live, there are many Sikhs who do take to begging out of desperation or for whatever reason. So all these sort of uh, perceptions that you accumulate during the course of a lifetime, they slowly start falling away and you realize that the world is such a vast place it can never be encapsulated into a stereotype all stereotypes are false and whatever the world is you have to go out there and discover mm-hmm. and that is the and you can you should never rely on anything you have heard about a place because the place that actually is there is much more complex and uh, much more interesting than what they make out to be this is one of the great promises of travel right the ideal of travel is to 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 learn that what we know about the world is not true <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely yeah there's this uh you mentioned the the humility here um there's one scene in, in the book where you and a few of the truckers pull off to the side of the road or maybe it's in the morning and you had to go relieve yourself in a field and you know there's a peacock there and uh, some animals yeah. come come running to you and you make you make this comment or you know to yourself in in the book something to the effect of oh yeah this is how most of india relieves themselves right and i thought that was yes. an interesting kind of illumination you know from the perspective of class privilege going and kind of experiencing something new so it seems like this trip was uh, full of these types of revelations um, and unlearning and learning absolutely which is also you know interesting because as i was reading this book you know i, I was thinking of like em forster and you know these writers about india that are kind of in some ways connected to the t- tradition of empire and, and, and stuff but i was thinking mm-hmm. to myself you know there is no way someone other than an Indian could have done a trip like this, right? Could have pulled it off, not only just pull it off, but have the same sorts of kind of deep uh, cultural insights. Um, it just seems like it's something that is impossible to have. And, you know, in, in that sense, I'm, I'm glad to have read the book. I, I learned so much. It was entertaining, but it was. I guess part of the reason why I liked it so much is it opened my eyes uh, in in many ways. Travel writing has a history of uh, the white gaze, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially travel writing related to India. Much of it has been a transatlantic affair. Either British or uh, American writers have sort of enjoyed the privilege in the publishing world to write about other countries mm-hmm. you know you never see an indian writer going to the us writing about the us small towns in the us <laughs> for instance that does not enjoy sort of legitimacy in the publishing world i mean it's uh, not uh, so assume that the perspective of an indian is uh, writing about small towns in the us may not be as valid or valuable so Going with that history, uh, I think a book like this uh, 
could have been written i mean uh, the possibilities are endless but what my experience of uh, western travel writing about india has been i mean often it has been quite insightful very perceptive mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you see that the writer has tried to immerse themselves into india as much as possible there have been many such books but at the same time you see this preoccupation with certain tropes about india like the overcrowded streets or mm-hmm. the cows or <laughs> the elephants <laughs> or the poverty you know these are the tropes which are recur so much in uh, western writing about and travel writing about india that uh, yeah it becomes frustrating at times like for example uh, one of the books that i really love is city of jins by uh, william dalrymple it was one of my first introductions to travel writing as such so i mean that book i really love and it uh, really does not get into these tropes often i mean it manages to uh, not get into these tropes and paint a portrait of the history of delhi which is absolutely riveting so there are uh, books like those too but uh, a book like this i think uh, would probably would not have been written by a westerner because when you look at it there are Uh, there has not been a book uh, about truckers written in the us in, in itself whereas mm. truckers in the us enjoy a place in the cultural mythology like not un- unlike india where they are regarded as deviants or marginalized people truckers in us are a part of that whole frontier culture of exploration of travel of free men on the road mm-hmm. in spite of that i i did try to search for a book on truckers you know in the us so that i could you know have some kind of reference point while i was writing this but i failed there was not a single travel book which explores their lives uh, you know in a in depth so yeah i doubt any one from the west would have taken the effort to write about truckers in india and much would have been much would have been lost out on them because of the language issues itself you know mm-hmm. uh, the i mean without knowing the language and without uh, being familiar with uh, the culture in india it's impossible mm-hmm. uh, you would you would have either required some sort of a fixer who can translate things for you who can you know facilitate things for you but then that would have been a diminished book in a way because the spontaneity and the adventure of it is lost when you have you know people fixing things for you and doing facilitating things so yes i doubt such a book would have been written by a westerner mm. yeah and on that note there are um, portions in the book where even uh you couldn't communicate in the language of the, the truckers right yes absolutely right. absolutely Well um in closing here I was wondering if you could read a passage from your book. Ah, yes. So I thought I'll start with this passage. So this is me sitting in Kanyakumari which is the southernmost uh, point of uh, India. Uh this is how the passage goes. For the listeners can you tell us uh, what uh, chapter this is? So this is uh, in the last chapter and I thought I'll read out the closing uh, end just to give you a sense of what might have preceded it. <laughs> okay. And uh, 
<laughs> so uh, here it goes uh, sitting here it amazes me to think that beyond the horizon somewhere lies antarctica this is the natural end point of not just my trip but of the terrestrial imagination indeed i already feel at sea with these gusty winds lashing at me whipping up a bunch of tangled thoughts in my mind it's been over a month and a half since i set out from mumbai on a journey that has left me in awe of my host's kindness and in despairing sympathy with the grueling lives they lead but while my journey is about to end theirs is a lonely caravan that never halts come rain or shine goods need to be delivered india must go on i wonder what akhilesh is doing now is he enjoying his belated lunch where will he go next when will he see his family will confiding his problems in me do anything for him at all i don't know it's likely that my account won't make a tangible difference to lives of truckers like akhilesh i hope it does i really do but while that may be too much to ask for i hope it will at least set as a matter of historical record the lived reality of truckers in 21st century india and the remarkable forbearance with which they conducted themselves even when confronted by the most provocative indignities as for me i will wait for the next time a chance to travel with these large hearted sovereigns of the road i suspect the day isn't far it only takes a yearning for adventure after all and a thumb pointed in the right direction <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, one of my favorites this year so far. So thank you uh, again for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jeremy, and for this conversation. It was fun. Where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Rajat Ub R A J A T U B. and on facebook on instagram also i am at rajatarejtup you can find the episode show notes and much more at travelwritingworld.com please remember to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app And if you find the show valuable, please consider leaving a review or supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at patreon.com/travelwritingworld. Thanks for your support. <laughs>